Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts Nina and Kyle. I'm Kyle. I'm Nina. Okay, this is the first episode that we've done after <laughs> Debatable Open. The last episode that we recorded was last year. Yeah. So I, I feel a little bit rusty about this. So anyway, for this episode, we're going to be talking about our online debate experiences, things that we've learned, things that we wish we could have learned, other things that really impacted us. We wanted to do this episode way before... But you wanted to push it back until after Debatable Open because you wanted to have the ascendancy to say that we have debated and judged and adjured for and organized online tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, what we're going to do is we're going to be counting down our top five online debate experiences. Nina will have her own top five. I'll have my own top five. It doesn't have to be a good experience or a good memory. Just, it just a memory. Has to, yeah, it's just a memory. As long as it's impactful. Yeah, so I guess I can start with my top five, which is it's already kind of weird because the experience is that I don't have this experience. <laughs> the experience that I want to talk about is the motion from Pop Culture Ivy, which happened last year, late into last year, where the motion was, this house as a hobbit would go on a great adventure or something. And I remember such a great feeling of regret at not joining that tournament. Because my favorite piece of media ever is Lord of the Rings. Like, whenever I feel down, I listen to Samwise Gamgee's speech at the end of Two Towers... I, whenever I want to hype myself up, I listen to several speeches from The Return of the King. And sometimes not even speeches. Sometimes just scenes of people lighting stuff on fire from the third movie. So when, when I heard about this motion, I felt such a huge amount of regret. <laughs> because when I heard about Pop Culture Ivy, I didn't want to join it. Because... I was afraid that there would be a piece of pop culture that I'm not really familiar with. Because there are a lot of times when we think of pop culture, we also think about music. And I'm not really very well-versed in the music industry. Like, I know a little bit of knowledge about, you know, how music is produced. You know, those sociology perspectives of Frankfurt School of, like... The producers are the gatekeepers. It's formulaic, etc., etc. But like, if you try talking to me about the specifics about the K-pop industry, I will just fail. And it's not because I don't think that it's good or that I don't feel... It's not because of some elitist thinking. It's more of, I understand it's so important for so many people. I don't want to get into it because... I might be listening to it wrong. You know, do you get that feeling? I'm a girl. I get that feeling about every nerdy thing. Yeah, so th- that's the reason why I didn't initially want to join Pop Culture IV. But when I saw this motion, I was like, man, this would have been... <laughs> this would have made every single K-pop or Taylor Swift motion worth it on my end. Even if I wouldn't enjoy debating those motions, this motion would definitely like make up for all of that. But I, I also want to point out that like, there is a really interesting and very nice trend that comes with 
the shift to online debating. Because when we shifted to online debating, we no longer had to pay for venues and other like expenses that are usually part of the reg fee. So registration fees became increasingly cheap. And that's the reason why I feel it became more justified to create tournaments like Pop Culture IV or UNSW IV, which had a motion about sentient glaciers mm-hmm. and a sentient glacier progressive movement acquiescing to the effects of global warming. Those kinds of weird, jokey, more creative tournaments. And I was there, like, in, in 2011, 2012, I remember a nationals where the motion was about, like, Harry Potter trying, uh, bringing Voldemort to basically trial Wiz and Gamot instead of just killing him in Hogwarts. Um, and the following year in 2012, the ASDC for that year, there was a motion about freeing all Pokemon. So at that time, we had a lot of pop culture motions, but that sort of fell out of popularity at some point in the decade because I think that the debate community got a little bit too carried away with these pop culture motions so that a lot of older debaters were lamenting the fact that we are supposed to be debating real issues here, real serious issues. So the shift became, if you're paying good money for a debate tournament, you have to be prepared to debate the real, like, important, big impact kind of topics mm. and not just these, like, philosophical pop culture type things. I think we've been t- pretty clear on our stance, though, regarding those things. Like, I I personally don't think that debating memes or pop culture makes you any less of a debater, or that it's less valuable than real-life issues, because in the end, debating is all about the skill itself, refutation, analysis, being able to break down issues into smaller issues or being able to use clues and context to create arguments. I I think the skill is what matters. Um, So I'm happy that online tournaments have allowed people to like be more experimental with their motions and their tournaments as a whole, you know. Debatable Open was one of those tournaments that tried to be more experimental. Yeah, yeah, it tried to be. And I, I think we were pretty successful. I also think that we were pretty successful. But that's for later. I mean, I'm pretty sure both of us have debatable open somewhere in our top five. Are you sure? I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would it be so weird if like, okay, your, your number one moment for online debating is like, man, I really liked organizing debatable open. I was just like, oh, this one time I said a bad word. <laughs> How anticlimactic. Yeah, so that's your fifth. My fifth place would be debating while I was here in your house. So I, I we're currently recording in Kyle's house. And I was here last year also around... I think November. Around November. Yeah. November of 2020. And I joined the tournament with CJ Carlos and Bea Legaspi. And I was debating in Kyle's living room. And I felt very... Exposed. I felt, I felt very exposed to Kyle's family. Also, I felt very out of place because that wasn't my typical setup. Not only was it online debating, which I was not used to, it was online debating in someone else's house. So that was like two layers of unfamiliarity that I had to deal with. And I had to deal with people walking in, um, listening to my speeches. I also wasn't very comfortable because I was just working with my laptop. 
usually in my house, I have a two monitor setup um, that allows me to like have a prep document on one page and then the other monitor will have the Discord server. But now having to shift tabs, I know it's a first world, first world problem. It's such yeah. a first world problem, but it, it does stack up. Like those small inconveniences and things that you're not used to, they do like affect how you debate. And I remember not doing well at all in that tournament. That was one of the very few tournaments in a while I wasn't in the top 10. Nor did I do very well. Like, I think we died at quarters or semis. Did you die at semis? Uh, I don't know. You don't even remember. It was that bad. It was that bad. <laughs> all I remember was not being comfortable at all. So, which brings me to, I guess, one thing I want to point out with online debating. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Because I remember being so hyped for tournaments and doing so consistently well. And then suddenly, online debating, I'm suddenly, like... um subjected to the elements around me like i have no control over things i have no control over my internet i have no control over who gets to hear me uh i still can control what i wear but i don't feel the need to control that given that no one is ever going to see me so i felt like very out of my element when i was debating that tournament um no offense to your house i i love this house it's just thanks this, my house has thanks <laughs> it's just this house doesn't love me enough to give me the space to debate in it properly yeah the, the privacy yeah like which is weird because like when you're debating in an on-site tournament you're not really in a private area like you're surrounded by people it's just that you get the sense that when people walk by they're debaters or people who know how debate works so they're not gonna look at you and like that's kind of weird yeah but here <laughs> you see Ate Indai walking by uh, walking by um, ironing clothes and then she can hear you and it's like oh man I just want to disappear for a while uh, but that leads I, I think that's a good segue to my um, number four um, which is also about debating in this house <laughs> <laughs> this house has seen a because, lot because like, to be fair I agree with you that a lot of things um, a lot of our experiences in online debating are based on factors beyond our control. Like, I've heard of examples where a person was debating and the camera was on, and then someone walks into the room and they start mopping because they don't realize mm-hmm. that their camera was on. Or in, in Be Called Debate Festival, I, I did not consent to being recorded at all because at the time there was some tension going on in the house. I didn't want... <laughs> I didn't want to preserve for all eternity, like shouting or something that would happen like that. Um, so a lot of it is based on factors beyond our control. And I feel like it's because when we debate from home, you remove that separation between your personal and debate life. Because like everyone says that the way that they debate is completely different from the way that they speak in real life, you know, in regular conversations. Mm. They don't go like... Delta. (laughs) They don't go like, I have four levels of response to your query about what ice cream to get, right? Um, So I feel like in a lot of times, it could be a negative, like what you were saying. But other times, some. but other times it might even be a positive. Like it might give you a little laugh. It might give you a little boost. So in my case... I want to talk about that time when I was doing a training round with some people from UPDS and then my brother came down and then walked up to me. 
he didn't know that the camera was on. And then he looked, and then everyone could see him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was just like, hey, I was in the middle of a speech, or I was like coaching at that time. And then he started mocking me, like straight up roasting me. And I remember it was a positive experience because we all had a laugh about it. Like, he was straight up mocking me, like, it was really hilarious. Because my brother's personality is, you know, like, he's a tsundere type. Mm. (laughs) I don't wanna, I don't wanna. He's a very tsundere (laughs) type that always pretends to not care, but he's such a sweetie. And, like, it's very adorable whenever he tries to pretend Mm. that he's some tough guy. It's never in a toxic way. You know, he, he makes it a point to never be toxic about it. But he never goes like, I love you, Kuya. He never says that. Ew. <laughs> Just imagining him say that like, it makes me ugh. But anyway, so that's my number four. Um, Because it didn't, even though he straight up roasted me, it did not ruin my experience. Actually, it made me happy that he was around. Because if we were on an on-site tournament, he wouldn't even be there to make friends with my friends. Mm. Yeah, and, and laugh with my friends as well. So I think that having factors beyond your control could also be a positive thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. Mm, what else do I have to say about this? No, I think for me, being able to separate your debate life and personal life might be a good thing for some, but for others, it might be a bit too daunting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess in your case... Like having a piece of home while you're coaching or helping out in debate, like made the whole experience a lot more cozy or comfy. Yeah, I think it's to each of their own. But like, it doesn't, when we recommend or when we talk about our own experiences, it doesn't mean that we always have a good time debating from home. Oh, definitely. Like, I definitely, sometimes I just want to stay away from me because sometimes he, like, I'm in a very serious mood and then he walks. Near me, I'm like, I'm not in the mood for your bullcrap car. <laughs> I'm not in the mood, man. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, my my fourth experience is also something that took place in your house. Because this house has seen me debate yeah, and yeah. judge a lot of times, more than my own household has. And that would be this experience in particular, judging in NEADC. So it's a, um East Asian tournament. It's yeah. like the regionals. Um, and I remember being cooped up in your computer room because I was judging rounds the whole day. And for me, it was a rather positive experience, probably because judging is really different from debating. Like, I don't have to speak so much. So I, I, I didn't feel as judged. If anything, it just felt like I was listening to people speak and then writing down what they were saying. And then I would give a five-minute speech later. Yeah, you know, my brother had nothing to do with this. Like he, he never interrupted you or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was that was nice. No one interrupted me at all because I, I was just out here studying. You were out studying. I was just in the computer room. I was just quiet and listening, and I got paid for it. Yeah. So that was like the positive experience because wow, I earned money for something that I would usually have to travel for. Yeah. Because I would have probably judged any ADC in an on-site tournament setting. But it would have been more draining. I would have had to go abroad. Which is usually a good thing, you know. But like in this economy, <laughs> in this <laughs> pandemic, no, man. So being able to do that, still get paid, and have the experience of 
exposing myself to different debaters and different ideas, all from the comfort of my boyfriend's house, is a overall positive experience for me. To be honest, I thought you were gonna say something about Carl again. No, <laughs> because no. I remember I, since you were talking about like a positive experience that you had from my home. I remember the time when you were speaking, and then my brother like passed by, and then he was like, "Oh damn!" <laughs> Do you remember that he, he passed by? I was like, "Oh damn!" <laughs> because I was being snarky. I said something snarky about. Uh, oh man, I don't even remember what I said. I just remember it being very snarky. And then I heard your brother go, oh, damn. <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh, damn. <laughs> like, very nice commentary. But anyway, that was my number uh, four experience judging NEADC. I got exposed to good ideas, good debaters, good money, all while judging in the comfort of my boyfriend's home. Oh, it's a win-win-win situation. And I didn't have to yell or nice. feel or feel pressured. I didn't feel pressured at all because I wasn't a competing debate uh competing judge in a sense, but I ranked also. I think I was third or fourth best judge. So you ranked but you weren't competing? No, I didn't know I was competing because I was an invited judge. Oh, because like the system there is if you're an invited judge you can't you can't rank. In a lot of places, yeah. It's, yeah, but it's... for this one it was a pleasant surprise that you could rank. Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise I ranked. I was also pro- uh, pleasantly surprised I broke because I thought I did badly because, again, there's no way to gauge. Oh, that's another thing I want to point out. Um, with online debating, there's no way to gauge if you're doing the right thing or not because if you're doing debate on-site, if you're speaking, right, you could tell if the judges are writing down your ideas or not yeah. or, or re- receiving the concepts well. And then you can change your strategy midway. It's the same with judging. You could tell if you need to sort of appease a particular team more or explain a particular decision more than others. So here, I didn't have any way to gauge it. And I was really nervous. But overall, it ended up okay. But I guess that's a double-sided... <laughs> double-sided? I think it's a two-edged sword. Yeah. Because on one hand... You don't know how other people are reacting as opposed to an on-site tournament where you can make adjustments based on people's reactions. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I feel like a lot of people would experience a lot of anxiety from, you know, just speaking and finding that the judge isn't really writing a lot from your speech. So I guess that in some instances, being able to, you know, just close the camera and then you're not able to see what the judge is writing or what faces your opponents are making is very nice and liberating for you because you don't have to like care about those things the only thing that you have to care about are the ideas in your speech mm. so it, it can be a good thing it can be a liberating thing it can also be a restricting thing again it, it depends, depends on your strategy yeah. when it comes to debating it just so happens that when you're judging you like looking at the faces of the people that you're judging yeah but i, I know for a fact like when it comes to debating you're the complete opposite. You'd prefer not to see them. Mm. Yeah. When I'm debating, I like being very uh, focused on my ideas um, and not really care about my performance like or my debate as a performance. Yeah. Though there are instances, of course, that are exceptions. Like nationals, you got to perform. You got to sort of care a bit more about what you're saying and how you're presenting yourself, especially if you're being recorded. But that's all. You know. Yeah. Meanwhile, ako naman, I just don't like... <laughs> I just... 
I, I always prefer to see, you know, these people reacting in real time. Mm. Yeah, it's not... I feel more anxiety when I don't see them. Like, in any case. So, I, I guess it's one of those things, Alaga, that it depends on how you prefer debating or what you look for in a debate experience. And since we're talking about, like, win-win-win scenarios... Mm-hmm. <laughs> My number three is actually our win in, in Byfest, in Beagle Debate Festival, because it was my very first win in a, an online debate competition. It was also my very first win in general, my very first championship. Yay! Yeah, and, and I'm very happy that my very first championship was with you. And the thing about it is, it's not just the fact that I won, that we won, because to be honest, when we won... I was just like, yay, P1! And then after that, I was like, okay. I was just fine with it. It wasn't very impactful. But the reason why it's at number three isn't because of the fact that we won, but it's because I felt the freest I've ever been when I, when debating in that tournament. Because first of all, I didn't feel like there was a lot of money on the line. <laughs> Cause you know, when, I remember when I was in high school and we go to, and also to, to a certain extent in college, whenever I go to nationals or, uh, Asians, people would always tell me something like, you have to win. You have to want to win because otherwise, sayang yung reg fee. And I felt like here, I didn't feel constrained to try to be the perfect debater because I didn't feel like a lot of money was on the line. <laughs> um, so it, it gave me like an incredible amount of freedom to just talk about whatever I wanted, like literally whatever I wanted. Another factor that comes into this is the fact that I was with you because Aww. I can completely trust you to talk about the basic stuff that I don't like thinking about. Yep. yep. <laughs> so I can just straight up 100% talk about, you know, Hegelian dialectic, 100%. I can talk about, you know, Eastern philosophy. For some reason, phenomenology and like it, people appreciated that for me because usually when whenever I talk about those things, people think it comes out of nowhere. And to be honest, it does most of the time come out of nowhere, and it's not what you expect, mm. you know. But I feel like in that context, in Byfest, because you did such a great job of covering all the basics, everything that people expect. It gave me more room mm-hmm. to talk about things that people did not expect, which is, for me, the greatest thing about debating is ability to trust your partner and be able to talk about whatever you want. And I know for a fact, like, I don't really like talking about those things, but I know that you love talking about those basic things. I do, I do. Except for the final round where I had to do PM because it just so happens that the basic stuff for that motion were already philosophy stuff. Yeah. And no, like, no. you didn't like talking about those at all. Yeah. So we did the last minute switch. But I guess like that, that only applies in opening half. But in closing half, you still have a lot of freedom. But it also doesn't come out of nowhere because I do a pretty good job of like yeah. connecting it with the rest of it. I'm the stitcher in our team. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's the reason why. Ideas. Yeah, that's the reason why whenever you talk about teaming up with me, especially in closing, you always describe yourself as, you know, clarifying what I meant. Because I give really good ideas. But sometimes, if I'm not clear enough about it, 
it seems like it might be irrelevant or it might not be as strong as it could be. Mm. But because of your intervention, both in prep and during the debate, it becomes just that much stronger. So I think that, you know, the thing I love about our team up, <laughs> the thing I love about our team up is that I feel like we're more than the sum of our parts. Yeah. You know, our strengths alone, you know, we're both very strong in our respective fields, mm. right? I feel like you're much more structured than I am, but I can go crazier about the ideas than you do. But when we're together in a team, we just complement each other to such an extent that we can be better than we could ever be just alone. And that's what I liked about Bifest. That's why that win meant so much to me. It's not because I could put it in my CV or I could let, let's be honest, it's not because I could let you put it in my CV because yeah. you track my CV for me. <laughs> yes, I do. But, but it's mostly because, you know, the journey of getting there. It's just like, I didn't have to feel constrained to perform. Mm. It was just me being myself. Like my unfiltered stream of consciousness. But I kind of tweaked it so that it would be more relevant to the debate. But that's really how I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it was very meaningful to me. I also have Byfest as my third, um, and I think I covered some of the reasons why. But I think you forgot to mention, or you forgot entirely, that this was our first exposure to online debating. Oh yeah, yeah, because the the last time that we debated together, the last actually the last time that we debated together in BP before Byfest last year was in like 2017. Yeah, nationals. Yeah, like and three then, years ago. And then we haven't done a BP tournament together since. And like honestly, yeah. when we team up with others in Asians, we our dynamic is different because there's a yeah, person, completely per- different. Like there's a third person to take into consideration. I mean, it's not a bad thing, obviously, but it's a very different feeling. Yeah, you I have think. to adjust, but mm. as opposed to like, but it's just the two of us. You don't have to adjust at all. Yeah, and we don't have to talk at all when it's just the two of us. Like we just psychic our way through prep. But so that was our first exposure to online debating. Period. And I remember, like, I didn't know how Discord worked. I was still, like, tinkering with Discord at the time. I remember we... Did we prep using Zoom or something? I remember we prepped with GDoc. We we prepped with we GDoc. Prepped GDoc. But we're, how were we talking to each other? Did we not talk to each other? I think we, we did talk to each other. I think it was through Zoom, yeah. Yeah, so we were on a Zoom call, and then we were on Discord, and then we were on GDoc, and I remember being so overwhelmed. But I was having, a, like, a really fun time, because it was with you, and I was like, I was just doing my thing, you were doing your thing, I, you didn't have to police me, I didn't have to police you, I barely saw what you were typing in your GDoc, because... When we prep, we would separate the screen, uh, separate the pages. The, the yeah. pages. So we'd prep in completely different pages. Yeah, and some, and then we'd notice none of our ideas would overlap. Uh, yeah, that, that was great. I was like, yeah, what a yeah. coincidence. It's only sometimes so you go like, mm, I think that this could supplement your idea, or vice versa. You would say you can take this na lang. Yeah, and that would be very nice. But it's so unlikely, no? It is very unlikely for a team. To just not have the same ideas at all when prepping for the same thing. Probably because we know what to avoid. Like, yeah. when an idea comes up, we're like, oh, Philo, I said, nah, Kaz got this, Kaz got this. And then when I see you don't got it, I'll give it to you. But what are the odds that you don't got it? So you probably got it. So I, yeah. I don't have to worry about it so much. So that's one reason I liked it. The other would be, 
I'm very comfortable doing last minute risky things with you. Like our finals, for example, we switch positions. I think we've mentioned that already. Um, and I would usually panic if that was the case. Like I, we didn't prepare for that. We haven't prepped for that. We've, Never, We've never. <laughs> I have never PM'd for you ever. I've never been deputy for you, but we decided. You know what? Like, I don't know anything about Philo. You know a lot about Philo. I'm good at tinkering with motions, so leave me at deputy, and yeah, it worked out yeah. fine. Um, so that's why I liked it. Also, I guess I also enjoyed the fact that there were so many new faces or voices. New voices. I don't know what to refer to them <laughs> as, but. Because it was an online tournament and it's my first time being exposed to it, there were so many names that I didn't know and so many newbies again. And I was like, wow, look at this. Like so many debaters from Vcall in particular are joining this tournament and I haven't seen this circuit as active as it was um, like a few years back. So it was very nice to be exposed to that again, to see people with like still wide eyes and like... Like, a lot of dreams. and A degree of innocence. Yeah, a know? degree of innocence in debating. It was nice to be exposed to that crowd again. As opposed to, you know, the people in our, our circles in on-site tournaments. Like, after a few rounds, the brackets we end up in are so serious. And, like, so... Uh, the tension is just, like, something you could cut with a butter knife. And I didn't like it. It was too serious for my day. So, being online and... Just being with people who were just having a good time was just a nice yeah. change of pace. Well, speaking of innocence, and I have to, you know, lower the tone of my voice. Mm-hmm. Because this next one for me, this is my number two. It's more serious than any other thing that I've talked about so far. Which is the drafting of the debatable ZTP. Mm. Or zero tolerance policy against harassment. And I'm speaking as a person who has actually experienced like a level of sexual harassment. I'm not comfortable talking about the details of that, but it was really important for me to talk about... Um, it was really important for me to create a policy to sort of ensure or help ensure a safe space for, again, those very innocent people that we're talking about. We want to protect their ability to enjoy debate. Um, because the thing about online debating is it's literally the wild, wild west out here where there's no set rules for anything. Like, in one of the tournaments that we edge scored in, um, Halcyon Scholastic Debates, mm-hmm. th- you weren't there, and I don't think that you remember this, but there was a time when someone unmuted themselves just to say the N-word, and like the Orcom didn't know how to deal with it, because since it was on Discord, and there were so many people on convening, they weren't really able to pinpoint who exactly it was. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing is, like, we, we just talked about the fact that we used G-Docs for Byfest. Later on, uh, when it came around to Australs, we found out that they banned G-Docs. And uh, to be honest, I don't know why, but it just gives... Oh, I, I suppose they did it because, like, your partner can do real-time edits during your speech. Mm. Which we didn't do, but, like, now that I'm thinking about it, you could actually do that. Is that cheating, though? Isn't that the equivalent of passing notes in the middle of a round? I I don't think that you're allowed to pass notes to a person uh, who's speaking uh, during the speaking. round. Ah, if speaking. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think, like, even the way that we prep, 
there's a lot of ambiguity with it. So I just wanted to give some sort of clarity with the policy that we wrote. It's, it, it was more than 10 pages long, and it kind of felt too technical sometimes to write. But there were previous tournaments where there were zero-tolerance policies on harassment. I guess give a bit of a summary first of what it is for our listeners who oh, aren't aware. Yeah. So a zero-tolerance policy on harassment is basically saying that if you are known to the community or are reasonably suspected to be a harasser, be it a sexual harasser or otherwise, then the tournament organizer has the right to prevent your participation at any stage of the tournament. And it was a very nice goal to have because you really do want to create these safe spaces. But there have been some times, um, there has been a tournament where there were lots of ambiguities in the way that um, a ZTP has to be implemented and that created a lot of delays and there was a lot of drama surrounding it and I don't want to talk about that. But I wanted Debatable to have its own contribution to that discourse by creating a more comprehensive policy. Mm. And I remember like I worked on that literally Christmas Day. I was still writing the policy on Christmas Day because, you know, I wanted it to be I guess, like a Christmas gift to our equity team. And we had an amazing equity team. We mm-hmm. had Akeem, we had Ashley, we had Mika as well. And we had Jillian sit in as part of our ad hoc, um, ad hoc equity panel for a particular case that we handled. So anyway, I feel like that was a very impactful part of my experience in online debating. It's the idea that there are so many things that we do not yet know how to deal with. So be it um, harassment, be it cheating, be it the use of N-words or other equity violations. We just don't have policies for that that are tailored to the online space that we have to change and work towards in order to make everyone as happy as they could be. But I still feel that I recognize that the ZTP that even I made, it's not really perfect. There are lots of things that we can iron out. For example, I didn't really consider how we would treat a person who is alleged to have harassed someone um, at the time that the offending party is a minor. Like, how would we deal with those cases? Um, I think it's a question that not only tournament organizers, but also the rest of the debate community should talk about. Mm. And like, there's also like the question of when can we allow them to come back? Um, some people would, a lot of people would definitely say never, never let them come back. But other people would say, why don't we prioritize rehabilitation as well? So it's one of those things that it could be a debate in itself, but we have to apply it more generously to the discretion of individual tournament organizers until such a time that we can have a consensus as a community. So we should probably have a conversation about that, but I don't know what the proper avenues are. Or yeah. the proper spaces yeah. to have them. Because it yeah. seems like having them online is very unproductive. And having them through figureheads is also rather unproductive. So we're not sure how to go about it. So hopefully, I guess, every tournament should just do what they deem is best for themselves first. Yeah. And think through it. Like, think through it. Obviously, like, obviously. Whenever you make a policy, even in debate speeches... You want to make sure that every prong of the policy is, you know, layered with a principle. 
And that's what we try to do with our ZTP. Mm. But I, I feel like if any tournament wants to use a debatable ZTP or otherwise, or make tweaks to that um, policy that we made, they should be able to do so, provided that they really reason out why they made the changes that they made. Yeah. Like, if you want to ask more questions about it or just want to apply it to your own tournament but are unsure how to, you can reach out to us and we'll help you out. You know, this is an advocacy already. And we want to help out the community in whatever way we can. So that was your number two? That was my number two. It wasn't wasn't as bombastic as the Byfest ones, but I feel like I just had to get it out there because Mm. it wasn't always a positive experience for me like i didn't really enjoy my christmas so much (laughs) because i was working on this but i knew that i wouldn't feel all right with myself if i wasn't satisfied with the ztp Mm. so that was your number two my number two was also related to debatable but not debatable itself yet or not debatable open itself yet it was the lead up to debatable open so all the background preparation that not a lot of people get to see or hear about but it's a lot of work so while kyle was doing the ztp i was sending out so many emails i was fixing excel sheets i was um posting and scheduling the pub mats which were so cute by the way thank you jill icardo yes once again thank you jill icardo if you want to hire her for your projects you really really should her rates are super reasonable you should tip her very well and you should support your local artists but anyway i got sidetracked so i like the preparations to debatable open like really really a lot so i enjoyed uh, conceptualizing the stuff i enjoyed like even drafting the emails was kind of fun email blasts ooh, so fun oof I love sending 300 emails a day. I love being able to send 300 emails a day and then seeing them go into the sent box and then seeing people reply to emails and actually following directions. Oh, super I think you're satisfying. the only one who says that. I think you're the only one who says that. <laughs> I'm probably the only one who says that, but it really was a joy to organize a tournament. Like I had to think about like it felt like chess. Because I had to think about things like five steps in advance. And I had to anticipate all the possible, like, um, well, what do you call those? Hiccups? All the possible hiccups that would come our way. And I felt like I, I managed to avoid most of them. So you don't see it, but behind the scenes, there's so many things that were avoided. Like, we had to make sure the schedule made sense. We avoided, for example, a lot of teams pulling out. We avoided, for example, miscommunications between judges and debaters. Stuff like that. And I felt like it's super satisfying to be able to fix those things. Um, so if you are an institution or a person like thinking of planning a tournament, um, go for it. But also realize it's not a walk in the park. Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3 are aren't just you collecting information. It's you knowing how to use that information properly to make the tournament run smoothly. And if you're not sure how to fix your Excel sheets or to fix your like, your G-forms, you're going to have a hard time. So just keep those in mind if you ever want to open your own tournament for memes or any other theme or whatever. Yeah, and I think that we gave ourselves even more work because our idea for Debatable was... 
let's not have an edge core. Let's make individual. Uh, let, let's make individual post debate analyses. Oh. So, how did you find the process of interviewing nine different people? Oh, at first it was so daunting because I also remember having to schedule all of those interviews. I had to set limits on, for example. When they could send in the motions, I had to constantly be in contact with them. It was really fun though, because once the interview started, I would stop being an organizer and suddenly I would be a debater who was curious about ideas. So there were two modes that I was constantly on. I was either on an organizer mode or just a wide-eyed, innocent debater who wanted to learn from the people she looked up to. And that was really a fun experience. That was my like personal take on it, though. Yeah, so I get that because a lot of the people who we interviewed, like Giano and Renee, they were so good. And I remember even when I was in high school, I would look up to these people, and I'd always be in awe of who they are and what they've been through, what they've achieved, how they contribute to society. But it's also very refreshing to talk to your peers, like. Um, we talked to Venti. We talked to Kitty. Um, there are batchmates, so it's also like talking to our friends about things that they're very passionate about, which was very nice because I always maintain that whenever I talk to a a, a nerd, <laughs> a nerd <laughs> like us, it's it's always very nice to talk about things that they are passionate about because I love seeing people <laughs> be passionate about things. Because it gets, it allows me to experience it from their points of view as well, mm. and that's the reason why we even had this system of having individual motion contributors, so that they could be able to talk about the things that they are the most passionate about. Because that's the best way for us to get the most amount of content. Not you know, not for cloud, but like content as an educational content for for mm. people. Um, which again leads us to my top one my number one is debatable open as in the tournament proper so your top two was about preparations mine is about the day itself and okay i will be the first to admit that i wasn't there as much as i wanted to be on the first day i feel like you're the one who's gonna that i feel like you have more ascendancy to talk about like what happened on the day itself. But in my case, I was going back and forth between worrying about debatable open and also worrying about the two final exams that I had on that <laughs> same day. I had two final exams on that day. So like I had zero sleep. I've been studying for the past like 36 hours and I had an exam the next day as well. And my entire week leading up to debatable open was just a bunch of exams. I had several several property exams that week i had a sales exam as well and now i had two transportation final exams an oral one and a written one on the same day so it was really really difficult for me and i remember that i was talking to my friend who was my classmate and i was telling him that i am so worried because i felt so unprepared for the exams and at the same time whenever i did study i felt anxious that I wasn't be I wasn't able to help um the rest of our organizing committee with debatable. So I tried to balance it. I didn't I don't think I was able to balance it well. 
Um, I feel like I sort of lean towards the Akkad side more. I mean, that's justified. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, it's not necessarily a negative experience, but it was definitely very intense as an experience for me to, you know, have to balance and juggle those things. But I feel like it was still worth it at the end because, you know, the thing about ending a very tiring day or a very intense day and sometimes... You don't wanna know what happens next because it's more of the same. But in my case, it was more of this was the last lap in my semester. And I really, really wanted to see what debatable was going to turn out. Um, so the way that I looked at it was it's a very intense experience, but when I endure it, is going to lead to much more positive experiences down the line. And I, I could have made my top one about the end of Debatable when we got like compliments, we got people telling us that it was a very good tournament or that it meant a lot to them. And, you know, those are really great experiences for me as well. But the most impactful part of it was just the overwhelming experience of having to balance two very huge, very important aspects of your life and not thinking that they could coexist. But at the end of the day, realizing that they could definitely coexist. It'll take some work, but it's definitely not impossible to have it all without sacrificing anything. Hmm. So I guess it's no surprise that my top one was also debatable, open, proper, but for different reasons. Uh, extension, Shanna, extension. This is my extension speech for Kyle's explanation. But I think there are a few things I want to highlight or want to reminisce on. Because honestly, Debatable Open felt like giving birth to a child. You know? If the number two was the preparation, that was like the nine months I was pregnant. Debatable Open was as painful as giving birth to a child and as satisfying as seeing your baby. You know, there's no other way I would describe it. So day one, I was a mess. Like, I was an absolute mess. The delays were driving me crazy. We broke the tab system, Taber, because we were just too many. We didn't expect to be this many. And I guess Taber didn't expect to ever handle a tournament with this many participants. Yeah, and I don't think we could have foreseen that as well. Because We didn't, we, and yeah. we couldn't. So For all intents and purposes, we were thinking that Taber was just basically stable, regardless of how many people tried to access it. Yeah, and we didn't understand the behind the scenes of it, which is our fault. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, we we yeah. should have asked and we should have been aware of it but that caused like major issues the delays as well because of the tab system as well as the people not submitting their ballots on time people getting disconnected like if you have internet issues it suddenly becomes my problem also because that would mean that you're yes. delaying the tournament yeah. that means that i also have to be in contact constantly with people who get disconnected so i remember all my windows were open i remember like I meant my laptop windows. I remember having so many tabs just open in my head and on my monitors. I was writing down things left and right on post-it notes. I felt like a one-woman team, you know? Because a lot of our team was also debating. A lot of our team were given other assignments. And I didn't want to overburden them. Yeah. And I, I'm the type that overburdens myself, which is the problem. So I remember uh, taking on a lot of responsibilities that... 
I should have probably delegated a lot more. And I'm really thankful that Jillian Sandigan was there as my co-convener at the day one, you know. I mean, no offense to you, but she was de facto... Absolutely <laughs> She was de facto co-convener of day one, dealing with just as much things as I was, if sometimes probably even more, because I was busy dealing with tabs and she would have to deal with the participants. And it was uh, a very draining and tiring experience. But I remember going to sleep that evening I was just knocked out, but I was very satisfied as well, knowing that we made it through day one alive. <laughs> yeah, I think you're the the kind of person who would get so overwhelmed about the amount of work that you'd have to do, but like you also find a kind of joy in solving a lot of small problems mm. throughout the day because you feel like oh, I'm so great at this. I, I I'm solving a lot of problems. So like. I think, you know, I think we were just holding, you were just holding yourself to a very high standard that we ended up not being able to fulfill. Because I think all things considered, the delay wasn't that bad. Like, there was a significant delay, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. That's, that's the tagline for the tournament. Not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's one. Uh, or th- those were a few pointers. I also want to give a shout out to our runners. Because Our runners were amazing. They were amazing. They were amazing. So if you've ever been bugged by... If you competed in Debatable Open and you were bugged by our runners, then, you know, like, be thankful they bugged you because they kept the tournament not as delayed as it could have been. Like they Not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> not as bad as it could have been. So they made sure that we stayed on track for most of it. And I'm really grateful for them. I would name them all if I could. Um, but I just don't have the memory for that. But I love them all the same. So that's another thing I want to point out. I guess the last would be uh, day two felt a lot less uh, burdensome. Is that the term, burdensome? Yes, yeah, I was there. Yeah, you. so you were there already, um, which took a lot of load off my shoulders, for one. But two, since there were less teams to deal with, given how you only deal with the top teams at the time, it wasn't as, like, daunting as it could have been. Though we did face one big issue, which was the random pull-out in the middle of uh, Octo Finals. Yeah, like... Okay, I'll for, let for you, people uh, who weren't there... I'll let you tell for, the story. For people who weren't there, what happened was we were supposed to have... We were supposed to have octofinals and the theme was international relations. And I was looking forward to that theme so much because there was a particular motion there that Guiano made when... In, in December... Which was about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris giving, I think, amnesty to Trump in exchange for legitimizing or recognizing the legitimacy of the elections, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So the trade-off there was, should we prosecute Trump or should we make sure that Trump gets out of the way as soon as we can? And in December, um, the context was completely different. But during the days right before Debatable Open... Um, it became much more exciting, but kind of in a sad way because you, you found the, the terrorists that were storming the Capitol building mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the United States trying to prevent the, the recognition of Joe Biden as the winner. So we thought that that motion aged like fine wine. Talaga. <laughs> like, it aged so beautifully. It aged like Robert Downey Jr., that kind of stuff. 
And then, so I announced the info slides. And then b- right before I announced the motions themselves, you interrupted me. Nina interrupted me going like, wait, someone pulled out. So, <laughs> so we had to cancel that round because after a while we determined that you know, it would have been unfair if we gave everyone the opportunity to, you know, Google the topics already based on the info based slides. on the info slides because it took too long to determine. Like, really, they pulled out. What happened? Ganyan, ganyan. Is there a way to make them not pull out? Those kinds of things. So we're not trying to shame the the team that pulled out, but what what we wanted to point out was, especially when it comes to online tournaments. But it also applies broadly to all tournaments. Whenever you do or do not do something, it will inevitably, in many different ways that you might not even be aware of at the time, it will affect everyone else in that tournament. Yep. Be it a late ballot that's going to delay the entire tournament or you accidentally putting a decimal point where it shouldn't be in it's a small mistake. It's just literally one dot in your ballot. But it's going to change how the rest of the tournament will operate. It will make like a domino effect of delays and problems for everyone. So ayon, it's a it's just a reminder for y'all. But that's what happened <laughs> day two. And and I had to handle that mm. because I promised you that after day one, I'm like, I got this. Okay, I got this. I got this. I don't want you to suffer like this again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was helpful. I mean, it genuinely was, though. So that was our top five each for online debate experiences. As you can tell, we haven't experienced a lot compared to others who are just obsessed with debating online. And I won't name any of you. Like, you do you if that's your kink or if that's what you're into. But I cannot imagine doing this every weekend or doing some derivative of this every weekend, like either judging or debating or edge scoring or organizing a tournament. And you know, some people really do come to mind. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're, if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're listening to this and someone comes to mind, like, tell them to take a break. Or if you're that person who... You might want to take a break. You might want to take a break. Like it's But not we're not easy. judging. We're not judging. We're not judging. If it makes you happy, go ahead. Oh, but I do want to bring up some honorable mentions to our top yeah, five. Yeah, okay, go. Like, some things that I didn't make it to my top five, but I was debating on being on the top five. The first one would be the THS cheating case we dealt with. So Kyle and I edge scored the tournament together and there was a cheating case that we had to deal with. And I remember that was the well, I I've dealt with cheating cases before in tournaments, but that's the first time I've had to deal with one online and it was so much harder to determine whether they did cheat or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember we had to do some linguistic analysis, but like, yeah, yeah. like what do you think that they meant when they said this? And they were like, in the context of the rest of the sentence, I think that this phrase, those kinds of analysis, and well, we didn't make it public. We didn't name and shame them because, you know, they, they were novices and yeah, he wanted and to protect, you know, people who... It um, was an honest mistake. It was an honest mistake. Like, the way that I framed it when I was questioning them was, I think you're supposed to know that this was wrong, but... I don't blame you if you don't really grasp the full consequences of mm. of this action. So we didn't make a big deal out of it. And 
you know, nothing really bad happened to the rest of the tournament, but some corrections definitely had to be made. Yeah. So that that's one. Um, the other thing that really was prominent for me was I kept getting blue screen of death on my laptop. So my laptop's getting kind of old, and I guess it cannot handle having Discord open and Zoom open and GDocs open all at the same time. So there were times when I would be judging that my screen would just suddenly turn blue and shut down on me. And I remember being so panicked about it, but luckily I had my phone to really uh, quickly shift to. Uh, so I didn't really delay any tournaments I joined or delay any rounds I was part of. But it was uh, like daunting, knowing that at any moment my laptop could die on me. Or, you know, like I could get disconnected at any moment. So if you're a Filipino listening to this, then you know the pain, you know. Our internet like, connections are not stable at all here, and you could get disconnected at any moment. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Those are your only two honorable mentions. Yeah, I guess the rest are pretty generic. So I have a semi-scurs in LIV, and I debated LIV online, and I still died at semis. So that curse is still alive, sadly, even if it's online now. Um, I guess some things never change. And generic edge coring, I guess, would be something I'd point out. Like, it's very different doing it online. Um... It feels just the same as judging or debating would. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the lines between rules become very blurred because you're all just on the same platform. Like there's no separate room for Agecore like there usually is. Um, there's no designated roles. I mean, there is, there, there is roles assigned to you in Discord, but really in the end, it doesn't. Not matter. all, not yeah. all tournaments have separate roles for edge core. Yeah, yeah. So it, it feels like the lines get blurred a lot, which I don't know if I like or dislike. All I know is that it is noticeable. It is what it is. It you know? is what it is. You know, so that's yeah. it. You know, that that's my honorable mentions. Do you have any? Well, I guess I do have some honorable mentions. I I did. There was this one time where, um, I was doing a speech. I was doing a speech and then some delivery person rang the doorbell and I was the only one in the house. So I had to bring my laptop outside of the house and then make the transaction as I was speaking. When was this? It was... Oh my gosh. No, it was... In Bicol Debate Festival. I didn't well. notice. I you didn't, didn't notice. Because I didn't notice. It, amazing. Yeah, because I was amazing. We weren't <laughs> together. We weren't physically together then. But like, that was very stressful for me. It just, it was just very fortuitous that I was talking about philosophy the entire time. Mm. So, like, I could get sidetracked or whatever. It will not stop me from talking about something I'm actually very passionate about. That's Other nice. than that, I think my internet, I'm, I've been very fortunate that I've had the privilege of having a relatively stable internet connection, except, you know, there are sometimes I do get disconnected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sometimes in the worst situations, like during class recitations or during exams, those are the worst, but like those aren't really, you know, super connected to online debating. Yeah. So I guess you can end it here. Yeah. Um, that's it for this. Whoa, surprisingly long episode on our online debate experiences. Hopefully it was entertaining and hopefully you got some lessons out of this. The point being, 
online debating is a new space. It's relatively experimental. If you're not into it, that's fine. If you are into it, that's great. If you're not sure, then hopefully this episode helped you figure out that there are some people who are just as, as unsure as you are. Kyle and I still don't know if we genuinely like online debating. We've tried all possible facets of it. Unless there's another facet we're not aware of. But we've tried them all. Debating, judging, edge scoring, organizing. Observing as well. We forgot observing. Oh yeah, mm. observing. <laughs> observing is a thing as well. Uh, I, I would say that we kind of like it sometimes and kind of don't like it sometimes, which I guess is the general experience a lot of you will face yeah, as well. It is what it is. It is what it is. And that's, I guess, the takeaway of this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you had a good time listening. If you're doing something else, focus once again on what you're doing and don't use us as a procrastination tool. And that's it for this episode of Debatable. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll We'll see you soon. Hopefully, you know, hopefully since we have more time to record now. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.